Up next, I speak with HR guru Mark Thompson on how founders can build teams and manage cultures. You're listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. And today I've got Mark Thompson in to talk to us about recruitment and people management. Mark, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hamish, um, uh, I'm currently the founder of a, a company called uh, True North. Been in the in- industry for a number of years. Um, True North is simply an augmentation business in the IT and the, and the business space. So, what does that mean? Enterprise clients who have got large projects, um, need, need resources, they need high quality resources at certain times. So um, what True North does is work to build those community, communities of capability in the background so that we can actually provide solutions at the right time for clients when they need them for their projects. Okay. I'll just uh, say, because the obviously for off-to-market, we are targeting, well, our audience is primarily founders and entrepreneurs who are starting businesses, but I wanted to talk to Mark because he himself is an entrepreneur, has built up a business. I, uh, uh, he was a client of mine with a business partner a number of years ago, uh, and I watched their business grow. So, Mark, how do you build effective teams? How would, how would, you, how would you explain that to someone? You know, if you if you're sort of growing a business, how, how do you where do you where do you start in building an effective team? I think everyone would have a different answer to that, um, but <laughs> um, my my response is uh, and the approach is to to actually have some standards um, and requirements about what you're doing. Have a vision, uh, a consistent vision that doesn't move. Um, um, and then look for high quality people that actually align to your values. Mm-hmm. That actually want to share a part of that vision, and I think that's that's the key. If you if you can get people that are excited um, and have high degrees of energy, um, and and then they have quality technology or business background, then you're halfway there. Okay, um, so it's, it's so it's a balance of technical capability as well as a sort of more of a philosophical outlook, if you like, as well. Yeah, look, I think the the technical capabilities is the given you know you Hmm. um you're looking for certain people to to perform certain tasks that's a given the great unknown is what are the what are the qualities of the human that you're engaging with and how does that align to yourself and your customers if you get that match right then you my experience has been you you have happy customers you have happy, happy staff and ultimately means that you're happy okay and how do you create and well, how do you maintain a positive dynamic within a team? So if you you, get, you, you, you need to employ a whole often with founders, I'll get to a point where they need to employ a whole host of people. Uh, how do you manage all those people? Like, it's obviously a new thing for a lot of these. Um, you know, uh, you go from working on your own for a number of years, building up a product, and all of a sudden you've got people around you. How do you manage that properly? Uh, it, it gets challenging. There's yeah. no doubt as as businesses scale from one to two to ten to 30 and beyond and um, I should note that my experience has really been to teams of sort of 30 to 40 in size. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's about employing good people who can actually then um, manage your team as it's growing. 
people that are aligned to your vision and people that are actually um, demonstrating your values on a day-to-day basis. I'm very big on values. Mm-hmm. It'll keep coming through. Yep. Um, I'm very big on ways of working. You know, getting getting that that model absolutely concrete in your business so that it's reinforced daily. So it's not just about the things that you're doing, the toys that you're playing with, the exciting projects. Mm. You're really, really remaining anchored and focused to your values and your purpose. And it does go back to, you know, 101 type stuff. How well you execute that and remain consistently in control of that, I think, is the key. Okay. And sometimes what we deal with clients that, you know, build a team and then all of a sudden you get someone that doesn't, I suppose it's they don't fit into the culture, if you like, and they sort of bring the team down. Not so much down, but uh, you'll, you'll get someone that maybe needs to be overly managed. That might be the, the best way of putting it. How do you, if you're, what would your advice be to a founder or an entrepreneur, you know, who, who's got no background experience of dealing with difficult personalities? What what can they do to either identify that to stop that from happening in the first place, or what? How can they manage that better? Big question, uh, I know. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> it is. Um, I think founders, you know, look, all founders are different. I think for me, uh, you you get a sense of family as you're building a business, right? You, as a founder, you know, I was always about I'm, I'm providing a platform, I'm providing an opportunity, not only for myself, but the people around me. So that does lead itself to... Um, to being slow to make critical decisions when it comes to people that are maybe not aligned in your business. Um, to answer your question, I think you, you know you've got to you've got to work on those things. You can't let them. You can't resist. You know, taking action. Whatever that action is, you know, was really up to the people at that point in time. You know, they know the scenario. I don't. Mm. Um, but it is, it's, it's actually remain engaged in matters like that where potentially one person or a group of people are, are actually moving in a different direction to the rest of the business. And, mm. and that, I think, over time is, is detrimental to productivity and you know, success in the brand of your organisation to your external um, stakeholders, mm. customers. Yep. No, I just think with founders, it's often, that's one of the things you hear sometimes is that they thought they were employing, when, when they look at employing someone, they look at employing a skill set and all of a sudden what comes with that skill set, I mean, it's it's the human condition. You know, they're bringing problems from home or they're bringing their own view of the world, if you like. So there's that, there's layers of complexity. It's not like buying a server and sticking it in a corner and it's going to perform as it, as it says on the dot points. So there's that whole people side of the people management, if you like, and that's I think that's a, a thing that you're obviously good at. Uh, I've seen, you know, I've heard you talk about it over the years. So I think that's one of the one of the areas. I don't, is, is there some way that founders can? Is that something you just learn on the job? You just learn as you go. You just got to be uh, willing to bring up these problems as they arise. Is that? Uh, look, it's 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 hard, Hamish. It's not a it's. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, a square peg in a, a square uh, hole type scenario. It's every everyone that's a founder has got a different degree of maturity in life, in experience with dealing with those issues. And mm. you know, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of founders that would prefer not to spend a lot of their day, you know, dealing with those sorts of problems. 
So it is, you know, I think it's get advice, get help. Um, you know, there's look to other people around you in your network that either have walked in your shoes, that, you know, have, have built a business up to the size or the scale that you've, you've got your business to, have dealt with these issues in a, in a small business type um, format, or they might know someone that they can connect you to, mm. particularly in our local market, Brisbane's one degree separation. So yeah. everyone knows everyone. Um, <laughs> and there's a bunch of people out there, um, certainly in the community that I know, that would be willing to step in and help and provide the right um, support and advice to founders. Okay. Um, now, one, one statement, I remember you said this to me years ago, Mark, uh, people join companies and leave leaders. Can you elaborate on that for our listeners? Yeah, it was probably it was probably said well and truly before that moment, Hamish. I'm sure that I picked that up 20, 30 years ago. Oh, I'm not saying that you have to you're going to trademark it, but I just think it was a fascinating statement which uh, stuck in my head for well, still has. So look, I think yeah, I, I, there's no um, truer statement in the in the current times. Mm. I, I don't think you know. As leaders of organisations, whether you you work for a large bank or whether you, you building your own business from scratch you know there's a there's a renewed amount of pressure on the attraction and retention of your of your key people Mm. um there's a million recruiters running around that have access to your people Um, whether we like it or not that's not going to change social media and, and and everything has really applied incredible pressure to that so as a leader, I think it's a state of mind. Right? Mm. You wake up in the morning and you say, I actually um, am bouncing off to be a leader today or you, you bounce up and you say, I'm going to fix different th- six different things or I'm going to go to six different meetings. So I think you know, a key thing for, for people that want to lead well is to actually focus on what that means. Okay. And for each organisation and for each team and... For each situation, that means probably 90% of the same things and 10% of them different things. Okay. I still think it'll be about knowing your people, knowing the ins and outs of your business to the best possible degree, having your vision and your values and purpose well and truly understood by your people. Just reinforce that. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't reinvent the wheel every six months. It becomes too much of a challenge. Okay. Even, even if you're an organisation that's going through organisational change every six months, at a, at a team level, I don't think you need, to, you need to, to vary too much what your, your purpose, value and vision is. Mm. Be comfortable with selling hope. Right? Leaders are there to connect their people to where they're going. So I often use the term, as a leader, you have to sell hope. And what that means is, you have to give people hope that we are going from A to B. Right. Okay, that's very interesting. wanted to get your opinion, Mark, on how to best choose a general manager, and this is in relation to founders in particular who are building either a, a unique piece of IP, uh, they've, they might have started in their garage and they, they've, they've built it up to a point where they've got funding and now they... Uh, one of the points we always like to make is they often don't make the best general managers because their, their head has been in the product, their head has been in their intellectual property, they've been working on their own, they're usually very self-disciplined, but they get to a point where the business is growing. 
do they become the general manager? Often that's not the best case scenario. They need to employ someone. What's the best way of going about choosing a general manager to take their business to the next level? So if someone asks you, Mark, I want a GM, what, what are you looking for? What's your process? What's your advice? In the founder example, I think founders, and I, I know over the years I've had lots of conversations with people about this, that founders make the best salespeople of their businesses, whether they like it or not. Okay. Um, it's very hard to employ salespeople in your business that have the passion, the drive, the work ethic, um, the sheer determination to get that product out the door than a founder. So... Founders, I believe, are always best in, in, in that capacity. Um, in terms of what I would look for in a general manager, someone that's got, obviously, a track record within a certain size of business and the industry, someone that's got a track record for growing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, that, for me, I think that's the key lessons that I've learned over the years. It's, it's very easy to, to have impressive people in front of you but if they don't know the journey that you're on it's it's it takes a long time to get their head around that some with patience and resilience because founders can be very difficult to work with Mm. Um, so again someone that um, has a track record for resilience um, determination and you know from the point of view of a cv or from a conversation of someone in front of you, you, you can determine that by tenure and experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's essentially what I'm looking for. Word of mouth, I, I use, I do most of my recruiting through my network. And, and obviously, it, it, it's substantial. I've been doing the same thing for 20 years now. So I find that I've got a lot of senior people in my network that are very aligned to the way that I, I do business. Um, so I, I utilise that network as much as I can. Okay. And now here's the next critical question is, should a founder recruit their own general manager? <laughs> is this something, because obviously the thing we experience, and this is just an observation, is that founders like to have control because it's their thing. It's their baby. It's their money. It's their their, their, their life's work in some cases. Should they be involved? How, well, how involved should they be in choosing that, that person? Or should they be using someone with third-party perspective? I think probably a combination mm-hmm. is um, is advised. What that looks like, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't encourage... I don't like to encourage founders to spend a lot of money to use a headhunter to go through an experience, etc., mm. etc. But certainly someone that can be on their shoulder, that has experience... Um, may charge a fee, but it, you know it's it's not an exorbitant fee. But can always give them third party perspective, and can always be the point of truth to the prospective employee. I think some honesty mm. is is handy. You know, you don't want GMs coming in with rose coloured glasses, um, only to find that the founder is a bit more quirky than expected. Mm. Or so probably a combination. Um, I always think, as founders, it's really, really important to, even if it's a small business, to get good people around you as soon as you possibly can, whether that's advisory or advisory board. You know, there's ways to structure, not to lose control, but to have that third-party insight. 
um, to be able to call you out or help you, I think is vital. Mm. No, I think that's a very good point you make because I think that's, and I think that's the key thing is how you think about it is you're not, especially with things like advisory boards, you're not relinquish, don't look at it as relinquishing control. You're actually getting more control because you're getting better information. You're not having to rely on your judgment every second of the day. You can have another set of hands, set of eyes on the job. Absolutely. And you, mm. you've also got, and I think this is probably the best outcome that comes from that, is you're building a new trusted network who has access to a different uh, number of industries mm. and a different number of clients. So you're getting, the, you're getting greater bang for buck for getting that message out about what it is that you do that is great. Okay. And just to bring it back to the, uh, I suppose you'd call it an operational level, with, with regards to interviews, I think um, many entrepreneurs, when they're employing someone, again, you know, there's that whole pressure of, you know, how do you handle an interview? What do you ask? What sort of questions do you ask? So how do you, how do, you do that? How do you approach an interview? Because I've actually sat in, I remember once years ago, on someone interviewing a person they wanted for a particular role, and you could tell the, the, person, the employer had no real idea, and they started asking all these really weird questions. And it became very uncomfortable. So how do you, obviously if you use a recruiter, they do that. But if, if we're talking to founders, what recommendations do you have? What advice do you have for interview technique, if you like? <laughs> yeah, look, I've, I've, I've had a, a really um, straightforward, consistent approach to it for a number of years. And that is to have a pretty straightforward, inconsistent approach to it. Okay. And that is <laughs> so you don't, you don't sit there with a list of questions and... No, for me, it's a, it's a new interaction every, every single time. I've got, a, I've got a basic roadmap of a person in front of me on paper. I've got um, a human in front of me in person. I'm trying to connect the dots between the two. I'm, I'm really trying to, again, the most important thing for me is I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to drill down into technical competence necessarily I can validate that through um, referencing or um, you know my networks etc etc I'm I'm really trying to get to the core of this person and understand whether we're going to be able to get on we're going to be able to get through the good times the hard times the good conversations the hard conversations and that they're going to be able to represent my brand the way I want it to be represented and that's mm. that's a small business owner mindset I know that when you're recruiting for a large bank or you know whatever there's there's a lot more structure that you have to follow there's a lot more you know HR um, uh, control around that process but I still think even in, in that vein you've got the ability to branch away from that when you're hearing something that you like or you're hearing something that doesn't quite make sense and drill down further to find out more about the person. Mm. When I started out years and years ago, I had you know the one page or the two page questions, and um, you know I, I followed that process. Um, the reason I don't like that in, you know anymore, and is that it, you lose the opportunity to engage eye to eye contact with the person. Mm. Um, you're looking down, you're writing notes, mm. you tick, you're ticking all the boxes that you need to tick, but you're not necessarily making a connection not only for the candidates that you want on board but for the candidates that you want to for them to go away and think i want to work for that company mm. if if not this time the next time mm. Mm. no that's a 
tremendous advice, Mark. Thank you very much for all that. And I'll include, if you want to ask Mark any questions, I'll leave his contact details at the in the description of the podcast. And I'm sure he'll be, uh, as long as that's okay, Mark. <laughs> Certainly is, Hamish. <laughs> all right, thanks very much. Thanks, pleasure. You've been listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. 